everyone in every choice or decision you make in life, there are positive and negative drivers of those decisions. There's kind of like the love-based, positive, I'm doing this for positive reasons. I'm, and then there's like the negative side of it where you're doing it out of fear. All those things are going to be simultaneously competing for your attention. The more emotionally stable and happy you are in your life, the more honest you are, the more respectful you are to other people, the more you, you're kind of true to yourself, like we talked about earlier, the more likely you are to be doing things for positive reasons and not be doing them out of fear and frustration and, and anger. You go through business and you go through training and you go through life and you could just talk about the medals and the things you've conquered. Yeah. But there's no good story to it until you start at the beginning and it's like, we were here. We worked really hard. Here's what we learned about ourselves. Here's the pitfalls. And then here's how we overcame it and how we grew as people. The emotional intelligence piece is like the growing piece of the entire story. That is Doug Larson and Anders Varner from The Shrug Collective. And this is a special release episode on Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. In this special release podcast, we bring you Doug Larson and Anders Varner live from the Spartan World Championships in Lake Tahoe, California. Now, Anders and Doug are friends of mine. I've got to know them over the past three years, actually more than three years. They are both hosts of the Barbell Shrug podcast, which is part of the Shrug Collective. If you haven't heard of the Shrug Collective, this is a network of fitness, health, and performance shows that really helps people achieve their physical and mental health goals. Now, I love this because the physical and the emotional is where we play at Wellness Force. And so I really love these guys. They went many different places in this conversation. We got to record this at the finish line where there was like music in the background and there was people finishing the Spartan race. And it was just this hotbed and kind of this swirling energy of creativity and conversation and connection, which is where Doug and Anders and myself really went. This was one of those triangulated conversations where we all talked Talked with and through each other because their lessons over 40 plus years combined in SNC and strength and fitness. I had been looking forward to actually interviewing with both of them for a long time. So this was a cool moment that it got to happen live for your listening pleasure so we can explore this intersection of the physical and the emotional. We talked about what it's like to actually be instead of doing in the fitness world how mindfulness and meditation and also just conscientiousness play into the ever-unfolding world of wellness. I share a little bit about my story and my vantage point on the wellness industry, as well as how we can actually navigate this tricky world of health and fitness in the modern world. Because let's face it, we're not getting any less busy. Our lives are consistently more full. So it's up to us to take this responsibility to really know our tendency type to understand who we are at a fundamental and basic level so that we can celebrate that. This episode was great for me because I got the excitement of co-creating this wonderful conversation with two guys that have been in the health and fitness industry for so long. And I'm really stoked to hear your feedback on this podcast. We're talking about it in the Wellness Force group at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. And if you have not signed up for our VIP club, the Wellness Warrior VIP club, this is your opportunity. Go to wellnessforce.com forward slash VIP. We're going to be releasing some special content there in the next few months, as well as early access to events and first in line for podcasts. So go to wellnessforce.com forward slash VIP, and I will welcome you at the door. I think you're going to love Doug and Anders personality. They are kind of like movie characters. And (laughs) you'll see in this conversation where we go to some interesting places as Doug is the analytical side, while Anders brings the smile and the energy 
They both have this synergy between them that I believe is why Barbell Shrug and the Shrug Collective is so special. Make sure you head over to shrugcollective.com, check out the Barbell Shrug podcast, and then take a deep breath because here comes Doug Larson and Anders Varner live from the Spartan Race in Lake Tahoe, California on this special edition of Wellness Force. Are we recording? You want to grab Have you hit the button? We sure are. No, we're, we're rolling. Let's do we're it. Let's Welcome on. to Barbell Shrugged. I'm Anders Marner, hanging out with Doug Larson. And we can also say, how do you intro your show? Welcome to Wellness Force Radio. This is Josh Trent. Like that. We're Ooh. doing the co-show today. Um, we are here in Lake Tahoe. Doug and I, recovering. Everyone's in recovery mode right now, right? <laughs> Josh is also for, recovering. For more than one reason. I am yeah. recovering. My feet are a little beat up. We ran 13 miles. Doug Larson, recovering 13 and a half miles. Mm-hmm. Josh Trent, 13 and a half thousand beers last night. <laughs> <laughs> the, the handful of times I drink a year, this was one of them. So I'm like, first time ever doing a podcast, a little bit feeling when you let <laughs> When you take the cage away from your own life, things get carried away. <laughs> your first hungover podcast. Yeah, Congratulations, are, dude. Thank yeah. you. That's a big milestone. Thank you. I appreciate uh, it. You're a real podcaster now. Yes. Yeah, we had a big, uh, we had a big night last night, hanging out with the Mind Pump guys. The Fit Aid guys. Fit Aid guys. We are mm. at the Fit Aid booth. All the people are hanging out. It's super awesome here. What have you, you been learning in, uh, is this your first Spartan This is my experience? second year of Spartan. Uh, you did it last year? Last year was really cool. This year was a lot more organized. I feel like they have all their T's and I's dotted and crossed. Yeah. Um, you know what I've really been learning, though, is like these people that suffer, man, they love to suffer together. Ooh. And that's a continuing threat. Isn't that yeah. everybody? Like, that's the CrossFit world. That's the I marathon so. world. I think we all share that. It's like I enjoy taking my body to places where I kind of feel like I want to cry, and then I yeah. feel the gratitude afterwards. What? Dude, the easiest way for me to make friends is to do something like this. Yeah. Like yesterday we went running with, uh, with Callie Bundy and, and uh, Evan DeMarco from Omax. And like I, I know those guys. I, I'd, I'd already met Evan and, and we did a really awesome show together and whatnot. But like after running on the mountain for five hours, just like hanging out, casual conversation, like enduring the, the suffering that comes with fucking hiking to the top of an actual real mountain here in Tahoe. Yeah. Uh, and then getting done and grabbing beers and doing a show. Like yeah. I feel like, you know, a 12 hours is a huge difference in how well I know those people. And if I was just like hanging out. You know, like at dinner, like just just talking, or like at my house, like sitting on the couch, like it wouldn't be the same. Well, it's a common thread. It's like you share this suffering together, so yeah. then you can grow through the suffering. I mean, how many things in life are like that? Like you guys have Mark Devine on the show. I actually have never talked to Mark Devine. Oh, you haven't had Mark Devine on the no. show. Yet. Uh, well, we have. Yeah, he's he has, been on, he's yeah. been on the show two or three times. It's not okay. Anderson. Mark, come and hang out with us. This we, talk, a, we talked to him this weekend, but yeah, we were supposed to thread of his personality, man. I think he's gone already, though. Yeah, yeah. he like, had to leave already. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we, we'll snag him and then need some time. Yeah, we uh, yeah we were supposed to hang out with him, but we got man, this, it's been an, an awesome event. We've talked to some really cool people. Um, the people you want to talk about people suffering. You heard about the the people the the locked and loaded. They they threw the people in the cage with nothing but uh, twenty four hours twenty four hours sensory deprivation complete sens- sensory deprivation for mental health awareness. Yes. Yeah. Did you hear about this? Yeah, incredible. I mean, I can't. What was the guy's name that did it? Uh, he was like an old war veteran, I believe. Tosh. Tosh. Crooked butterfly. Very intense human being in person. Did you interview him? Mm-hmm. I have not. I a would, fascinating conversation. Uh, his story is, dude, savage, like fighting people with their hands, taking their own guns away, and then killing. Oh, man. Like, one of those stories you're like, people like you exist? <laughs> like, if we put everyone yeah. in the room and, like, all the things started going really poorly, yeah. everyone would just look at him and be like, what do we do? <laughs> There's only one guy that right, has so, the answer. So he was being shot at. Instead of running away, he ran at the people. He was in. Took their guns look, and killed them all. I read this story, I want to say, call it five years ago, six years ago. The way I remember the story, 
is that he was in Afghanistan, and they were his his group of people, the seals, were in a very bad place, and getting taking fire from like it just wasn't good, and wherever he was at, he ran out of ammunition, and instead of running away, he just started running at the enemy, fighting them with his hands, took their guns, and then just started annihilating people with their own weapons. That's the original definition of beast mode. Yeah, like you're just a savage. Yeah, that's... I feel like there's a lot of movie characters and cartoon characters here, which, by the way, both of you guys are as well. Beautiful. Unique, dynamic, powerful Ooh. personalities that you just, once you experience them, you're like, wow, that's kind of a character in a movie. <laughs> uh, is there any, anybody you guys interviewed where it was like, whoa, this, this guy's really intense or this gal's really intense? Dude, Charlie there Angle. was a guy last Charlie night. Charlie Angle, for sure. Yeah. yeah, he was wearing a, a cowboy hat with an American flag stamp. Oh, on Hunter McIntyre. <laughs> Hunter McIntyre. Yeah. He's, he's uh, awesome. He's, Everyone. He is like the biggest movie character. I asked him, uh, how do you know Adam? And he's like, oh, I, I do lighting for Adam in porn shoots. He's got a really nice dick and i'm like what that's the way this guy talks Wait, what adam uh from mind pump oh nice yeah <laughs> but yeah unique personalities here man like yeah. unforgettable people he's the guy we got drunk with and did two and a half hours um, we literally dude, that, that the whole entire thing rolled so easy too like there was no dead space it just fucking just flowed for two yeah. and a half hours the he's entire fast. village here at squaw was empty we had one that blue strobe light pointing down at the table and we were just out here drinking these things you don't think about, and then you're like, a bear could have showed up so easily. Yes. And we saw bears yesterday. I think it's fascinating. I don't know how you guys feel about this. Like, health events. This is a health event. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. drinking and, and craziness health practices. And yeah. the same thing I with am. paleo effects. Yeah. It's like totally. these events, they, they bring out kind of the best and the worst in health. Well, the fitness uh, industry has a lot of healthy things associated with it. The fitness yeah. industry also has some, some very unhealthy practices associated with it. Yeah, it does. I like, but everyone likes to just, like, hang out and have a, have a beer. Like, yeah. I, I don't consider that to be, like, radically unhealthy to have go to a fun event and, like, have a beer with a friend. It's because it's not like an everyday occurrence. Like, how often do I drink beer? Like, not very often. But when I come to something like this and I see people that I, I that I don't see very often, I want to go grab a beer, do do a show with Hunter McIntyre and drink yeah. an IPA. It, it's a good time. Yeah, I'm more unhealthy at these things than I am in my real life yes. by like a hundredfold. I think so. I usually go home from them and I'm like, I can't wait to get back to living a healthier <laughs> life. <laughs> like, I feel terrible right now. There's canola oil in everything I eat. Everything. It's just uh, yeah. When I'm at home, I eat zero unhealthy food. Yeah, it's just like it just doesn't happen. So when I'm on when I'm on the road, like I'm a little more flexible. You're one of these guys too. I was I was telling you last night. It was always hard to get a pulse on you when I first met you. Yeah, I've known of you and had conversations with you a little bit here and there for like two years, mm-hmm. and you seem like this pillar of American flag, apple pie, Chevrolet, like. Very, a lot of very, discipline going very, on very here. solid, like both feet on the ground. But yet, I actually, I was telling you last night, I thought you were a business major, but you're a kinesiology major. That's right. Uh, but yet, you're so talented in business, man. I want to know, and I know people listening want to know too. Like, how the hell did you actually go and formulate this success path for Barbell Shrug, for Barbell Business? Like, this is big, man. This, this guy is taking over the show. I know. He just took over. It's all right, it's a Wellness Sports <laughs> Radio show. It is. It is. We're loud. Uh, man, I, I, I didn't have a degree, or I don't have a degree in business at all. But, but I've been running my own company various companies for, for 10 years now, so uh, I certainly have some level of experience, and there's there's certainly many things that, that I don't know, but uh, I wish I would have taken more classes in business in, in undergrad and graduate school. I actually remember playing football and uh, being an exercise science major, and the business majors were because I was also pre-med back then. And so all the people that were taking, like, biochemistry and OCHEM and, like, like the, the hard kind of a 
classes that weed people out for medical school. They, they made fun of the business majors because like, oh, they're taking the easy classes. And so it was, it was this weird dynamic where it wasn't like, are they taking things that are useful? It's like, how hard is the class? If you didn't take the hardest class, then you were just being a bitch. Wow. That was like that was like the mentality, and so like the, a lot of the the chemistry majors would make fun of the business majors because like their, their classes are quote unquote so easy. Yeah. I, I don't think business has ever been easy for me. Yeah. That's why I'm like I'm like genuinely stoked to learn how you did this. It's really uh, funny that it was yeah. it was the the easy you guys viewed it as the easy way because I was in there and I thought it was really easy. Yeah, I thought business school not MBA think, was challenging, but like drinking was like a big part of the MBA and like going to the bar and talking about like how to create businesses. Well, how is that a reflection of real life? Like most of the connections and relationships are made over dinner yeah. at a bar socially schools rather than in a business setting. School's mm -hmm. just like a game that you can play. Like school can be really easy if you want it to be. Uh -huh. I never was like the person that was like Did you read the book or did you just take the test? Like, Me personally? Yeah, just generally. Uh, like I, I typically would cram the night before. Yeah, I was a, a, night I was a before, procrastinator. Yeah. I, I still got on a roll. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I can only imagine, like, what would have happened if I applied myself? Yeah, you know? I had, like, a 3-0 going into my senior year, and then I really worked hard, and I walked out with a 2-6 because I had, like, I cranked out, like, a 2-4 and a 2-3 my last two semesters. I was like, mm. God, I'm pathetic. Why <laughs> am I doing literally nothing right now? Just wasting everyone's money. <laughs> um, that's who you chose to be your partner on the show I know I'm like, <laughs> like, I, I just got to know you that much better yeah. maybe I made a mistake <laughs> <laughs> well I've always I've always considered you Doug as yeah. the brain like the way that you have really, like moved this ship forward this barbell shrug ship uh, now it's this collective shrug collective mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm I'm genuinely curious like business for me has always been a learning curve oh, yeah? uh, wellness force is growing but like I see what you guys have done and uh, it's really admirable. Like, I really respect the kind of empire. It's like almost like a barbell empire that you've created. Uh, what about your personality, man? Do you, can you lean on and say, you know what, I think that's, that's the part of my soul that drove the business? Uh, I think from the beginning, we were really fortunate that we, since we had our CrossFit gym, CrossFit Memphis Faction Strength and Conditioning, we had that business before Barbell Shrug. We were able to go into the Barbell Shrug thing with a big team from the beginning. Because it was basically like our staff from the gym we're, we're all being involved in starting Barbell Shrug. And so me, Mike, and Rob were all business partners. CTP was already, was already working at the gym as an intern. Then we brought him into, into Barbell Shrug as an, as an owner. Uh, and then we had Chris Moore was always there hanging out, lifting weights. He's been a good friend of ours for a long time. So at a minimum, we had like those five people. So we had, we had five people that were like super bought in and dedicated from day one. And recognizing that we can't do it by ourselves, and it's, it's going to be way better and way more fun to do this with a group of people that we enjoy hanging out with which yeah. is still that's the reason we're still doing it to this day because I get to hang out with, with people like you and go to places like this yeah. we're hanging out the Spartan World Championships in Tahoe hanging out with people that like you like are like some of the greatest people that I know like this, this is like it couldn't be better like yes as yeah. far as far as having like a business where where it's really fun traveling the world with your friends and fucking hanging out and talking on microphones is a pretty kick-ass way to do it. Well, I don't know if you've mentioned this before. I was, I was talking to Doug, and I was learning, like, you know, you came from a household where your mom's parents, like, told her how to do everything, so she left you with an open rein. Right, She really right. let you explore in life. Do you think that that is actually what allowed you to create in business, that open space? Yeah, I think to some extent, like, as you said, like, my mom... Her dad made all her decisions for her. Like yeah. when she when she went to go to college, like he got the application, he filled it out, and he said, "Here, you're going to this university." And there was like no conversation about it. And that was like how her whole life was. So my life was the opposite. She was just like, never told me what to do. Like you're you're an intelligent person. You go figure it out. 
of course, when I was six, seven, eight, whatever, like when I was young, like she would guide me, but like she's not gonna one, let you run in traffic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> once I was like in high school and college, like there, there was no. I had some some boundaries, of course, but like she really let me. Both my parents, my mom and my dad, really let me make my own decisions, uh, and I think that was like the best thing that ever could have happened to me. Um, and now that now that I'm an adult, like. I feel like I have to be an entrepreneur because I just want to do whatever the hell I want all the time. If yeah. I if I went to go get a job, it's like it's this like state break, like total disconnect. Like, why is this person telling me what to do? That's not how <laughs> life is supposed to be. Uh, and I had that conflict with my wife a little bit, where like she tells me what to do, and I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> no, this is, this is not this is not what's supposed to be happening. You're supposed so, to ask, not tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we came from very different backgrounds, me and yeah. my wife. So we, we've had that conversation many times. Where I just want ultimate freedom, and she, and she wants ultimate stability, which I think is a kind of a normal. Um, dynamic in a lot of, in a lot of cases between men and women or, or the masculine and the feminine so to speak you're uh, living Aaron's, in that Aaron's, household Aaron's raising his hand Anders like, yeah. just had a baby like you yeah. literally are bringing a life into the world with yeah, your wife it actually was not a thing and then my wife did this thing and now we have a thing are you how did you feel were you nervous were you scared like seeing how great oh. Doug turned out like how are you going to design this life <laughs> for the baby this guy's pumping my tires I over know, here I know right <laughs> um, yo having a kid is super cool I in all honesty I, I feel like my my entire life, I'm like, okay, we'll figure it out. Like, I, the kid's going to live. They're very resilient little humans. And um, I think I'm going to be a good dad because I live my life with a pretty good sense of, like, purpose and understanding. And I feel like I'm a good human being. I love my life. What better environment would you want a kid to grow up in than around people that are genuinely filled with like love and happiness? And doing something they feel is on purpose. Yeah, like, like something I, to their soul. All I mean, she can't talk, she can't understand me, but I all I ever talk to her about is like living a life with purpose and like effort matters and she can't understand shit. But if I start now telling her that she's capable of doing whatever the hell she wants, assuming she wants to work really hard for it, I think it's a pretty good start. Well, I'm not even dating someone right now. I'm just, like, really focused on Wellness Force. But I do have this burning ember for, like, bringing a life into the world. And you have – how many kids do you have, Doug? I have three. You have three kids? Three three boys. What did you notice about yourself in the way that you approached business when you had kids? Like, what changed about you in the way you approached your business life, the balancing act? Um, I'm not good at the balance thing. Uh, (laughs) I try try hard. Yeah. Um, What changed with how I view business as a result of having kids – um, I don't have a good answer for that at the moment, but I'll, I'll definitely think about it. But uh, business became much more difficult because yeah. now I have, you know, the, a second job, so to speak. I just have I have so much more responsibility outside of business uh, to be helping my wife raise three kids. I have three kids under three and a half years old, and so that's, that's a heavy load on my wife to be doing all the time, yeah. uh, which she handles like a champ. But uh, I have to be that much more efficient with the time that I have to spend training and or and or on the business. So uh, really working hard to 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 delegate and to make sure that I'm only focusing on my, my highest priority tasks because uh, there's no time to waste. Yeah. I feel like there's like a – you know that there's something else that's very important that you could be doing. And sometimes that comes with like a, a lot of negativity in your brain. It's like, yes, you should be spending a lot of extra time with your wife and all these things. But when it's just your wife, you're like, oh, I'll, we have so much time together. But now when you have, like, a little kid downstairs and she's – you want to play and you want to go do all the things that little kids do, and you're like, but I have to go upstairs and work. Yes. And then you're like, man, do I really need to go work? Do yeah. I really have to go do this? It does make you much more – you have 
significantly less time. You don't know how much time you have right now in your life. That's just free time. Free fuck off time. <laughs> yeah. I'll just do nothing right now. It's so fast. It's fascinating you said that because like I'll do a show and I'll be talking about like a health behavior or interviewing an expert and I'll think, yeah, for all the parents out there. And then I think, well, I don't even have kids. Like I can't it really speak from game. a place of truly knowing yeah. what it's like. However, I do have nieces and nephews and I that remember like count. changing their diapers and getting poop yeah. sprayed on me. And so like I can yeah. understand the sacrifice. Yeah. Yet I think there's something that happens to the human spirit when you bring a life into the world. They're cool dude like you want to hang out with them yeah like i really enjoy the time just going down and like watching the things arms freak out and like they start talking a little bit like the the noises that come out and you feel like you're having a conversation you're not but <laughs> it feels like it and it's yeah. cool yeah um but dude it, it changes it changes the game i think the free time thing really is the thing that i'm like whoa i used to be able to go from like work create a little bit of space in life go downstairs, hang with the wife, do whatever we need to do, go to the gym, and now it's like I have 24 hours, and now I've got 30 hours of work. How do we do this thing? Don't you guys think that we're all, every human being is looking for minimum effort, maximum results? Like, totally. we're all trying to kind of hack the game in health, wealth, and relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you guys do for that? What do you guys do to balance, like, the health aspect? Like, do you always train in the morning? Oh, no. But that's the easiest part to me. Like I don't even think about it. That's like just yeah. mandatory. Getting out of bed. Yeah. I ha I'm going. I train seven days a week. I eat the same shit every single day. I eat at the same time, and it's that's like the if there was like a, a a flow chart or if there was like a thing in the very middle of it is always like I have to train. I have to eat well. And God, I hope I can sleep well. Mm. And then everything else stems out of there. Like there's like a commitment to the gym and physical just physicality i think that i have to have in order for everything else to work like i have to go and if i don't it's kind of like everything else would suffer if i was not able to do it every day so it's more of like a life practicum you're not chasing a specific goal like you're not trying to get jacked and yoked right now and tan no all, literally everything is built off of me training yeah my entire like the entire structure of life is built off of training so it has to happen or the, it gets really, really unstable in my brain. I get really, really stressed out. I'm not present anywhere. And uh, that's really when problems happen. I find life. that if I don't work out, I get more emotional. I'll get more testy. Yeah. And I'll actually feel like like more sad as well, like more depressed. Uh, mm -hmm. For a long time in my life, I, I fought depression and anxiety, like pretty severe bouts of it. Yeah. My mom was manic bipolar, so I kind of grew up in an environment where it wasn't really safe. Yeah. Um, and when I found football in high school, I was like, oh, a team that needs me, people that want to be around me, right. something that makes me feel alive, uh, kind of yeah. going back to the shared suffering thing. Um, but when I left high school, I kept eating like I was playing sports. Mm. So I, I went up all the way to 280 pounds, man. Ooh. Oh, dang, uh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it was insane. And then I got to this place where I was drinking, and I threw down a red party cup at 21, and I was like, there's more to life than this. Yeah. And I, I ran home drunk for three miles, and I typed in the computer, like, how do I be healthy? And then it was like 18 more months of me experimenting how to actually be yeah. a healthy body. Don't we do that? We get to like this weird point. Like, I feel like you started wanting to have a business. Yeah. I did not. Like, I didn't know that like that was a possibility almost. Like, it was more like I started not wanting to have to get a job. Yeah, we could call it that. That's <laughs> fun. <laughs> Those um, are kind of the same thing. But yeah, like I, I was, I was a fantastic at partying. But I realized one day that it was like, this shit's got to stop. Yeah. I can direct all of this energy towards a thing that's going to actually create value. Because you start getting into some weird things. Like, I was, I don't, I was never like, I don't, I, 
when people when you hear people that are like really alcoholics, you're like, oh, I was never even freaking close. Right. The ones well, that like, have to drink in the morning. I was feeling like bad about things that I was doing. Like you black out once or twice, and then it becomes like more regular, and then all of a sudden you're like, dude, this is done. I need new friends. I need new everything. And I had been in the gym my whole life, and I was like, I'm gonna give that thing a shot. That, that that one over there, if I go to the gym all the time, I can make that a thing. Well, a lot of it has to do, it's a lower vibration. It's like drinking and getting fucked up. It's a very low consciousness, low vibration activity. Yeah. Yet, in the right context, it can be fun because you're celebrating. Yeah. But I, I'll raise my hand and Except admit, for last night. Last night was very high vibration. Yes. Good, vibe. high good vibes. Vibration. It was good. It was exactly. very good. No, there's a time and a place. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but when I was drinking and, and kind of like disassociating from my emotions... It didn't make sense to my heart. And I think the heart is what drives all of us, your soul, your heart. As much as you guys talk about strength and fitness and there's like a robustness to your presence, I know that there's the soul and the heart that drives the whole thing. Do you think that your partying days help what you do now, though? Oh, yeah, because I got the contrast of feeling like shit enough. Ah, see, that's not even what I take out of it. I honestly, when if you put me in the room when I was from 18 to 26 years old, if you put me in the room where everybody was like, drinking and having a good time it was like oh this is like an audience like i get to get drunk and like have fun with all these people and it's going to be the funniest night of our lives and we can always like elevate this this feeling and it's going to be the cool we're kind of performing but i was hammered while i was doing it <laughs> okay non-stop performing so do you feel like that made you a better podcaster uh, it made me a better coach yeah. first yeah and then when i became a coach and i realized that i had a responsibility then I really was able to like hone that skill that I didn't know I was developing to actually being able to create a message that mattered. And then now I can structure that a little bit better and, and, and make it at least someone you want to be around. I've never had somebody ask me, what did you garner from your partying? Well, that's <laughs> such an interesting question. I, I feel like literally like that's like a real thing though. Like I was, I was like the performing guy. Like it was like the bigger, louder like a more yeah. party we can do can right now the better yeah. so it's like constantly elevating what you're doing is like you're riding on people's vibrations and you're riding on the energy of the party and like can we make it better can we steer it some way and like i was just in the room always trying to make it cooler make it more fun and then i got in the gym and i was like oh shit the music matters like oh that's a thing and you start just piecing all the little widgets together that made for a really fun party to now I have a gym that looks like a frat party every day, mm. and it's a lot of fun to train at. Yeah, because and we're getting really big and strong, and it turns out that's a successful thing. Yeah, you just know how to create a create a vibe in a place. People want to be around the fun energy. Yeah, man. I got most humorous class clown in high school because nice. uh, I went to high school and like my home life was shit, so I wanted to like be accepted and have fun. I was the guy that would do anything. Like somebody would say, "Go, I dare you to do this," and I would like peel my shirt off and paint and like have snot coming out of my nose. I was like definitely a kid that was uh, running from things. Yeah. yeah, and so but humor was this great tool. Yeah, and I think humor in business and life and relationships. It's like mm. people that don't have humor, they don't really succeed, man. Yeah, without humor, it's hard to have success. So it's like a lot of stand-up comedians, a very high percentage of them have troubled pass. Yeah. And it, like, Look at Joe Rogan. Holy shit. Sure. What do you mean? Oh, dude, he's got a lot of troubles in his past. Yeah. yeah. yeah he fought depression for a long time. He's talked about it. That's, I yeah. think that's why he and Jordan Peterson connect. Because oh, Jordan yeah? Peterson also struggled from depression. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jim Carrey. They, like, slept in a car, their whole family. Yeah, there's tons of people. I mean, that's one thing. If you want to go bring it full circle and bring it back to talking about kids, I'm actually terrified that my kid's life is going to be way too easy because 
there's way different resources in her life than the resources that I had. And it would be like talking about hard work when you see people that don't struggle when they're young and like know how hard it is. Like for me to get through high school, I like I've never had a summer break from the time I was 14 to now I've worked 70 hours a week every week of my life. Like if I wasn't in school, I was mowing lawns. I was throwing mulch. I was working 60 hours a week on a Navy boat. Like, I don't know anything except I have to just show up and do this thing because it's just what I do. And uh, I, yo, sometimes I think about that. I'm like, you, little 13-week-old, you have a cookie-cutter life right now. Yeah. This shit is hard. Mm. You're going to get kicked in the teeth one day. You better be prepared for it. Well, speaking of Rogan, you, you just mentioned, like, I heard him saying, you know, like a week ago that he – with the majority of his friends that he thinks are super interesting that are doing cool things in life, almost all of them had rough childhoods. Yeah. And But he has a daughter, or maybe maybe more than one daughter, and he is conflicted because he wants his, his, his children to have a comfortable, stable, safe, fun upbringing. But at the same time, like, if that's the case, like, will they turn into the people yeah. when they go out? onto life on their own, would they be the people that he hopes they will be if they're too comfortable growing up? That's a, that's it, a really good point. I think now. that, see yeah, that, I, yeah. do you struggle with that with your kids? Sure. I do it all the time. I just look at her, I'm like, she's been, she's been alive 13 weeks. She's been on two cross-country flights. She's seen like six states already. She vacationed in Tahoe. She'll remember none of this. But it's like half of your life has been fucking incredible yeah Yeah. like you're just oh like planes they're just normal no that stuff's expensive they're very special someone has to pay for that like not your ticket but that's like a real thing like how do you create struggle and adversity when you are hoping to nurture a little monkey that's in your life (laughs) we're we're all athletes so i think i think you know sports is is a great avenue to do that of course like you know, if, if, if your kid's a state champion wrestler, like he's he's going to be going through some shit to, to yeah. get to that level. Even if he has a comfortable, safe, stable life at home where you have money and he has everything that he needs as far as food, water, shelter, and all that. Like um, when you get on the wrestling mat, there's there's still that struggle and adversity. Yeah. We're at the Spartan World Championships right now. Like I've been out to Joe DeSantis' house a couple of times and, you know, waking up at 5 in the morning. And his kids are awake. His kids have wrestling practice at 5 in the morning. They have kung fu at 5 in the morning. It's still dark out, and they're going to run to the top of the big fucking hill behind Joe's house and in condition at 5 in the morning. And as far as I can tell, they just think that's what life is supposed to be Normal. like. How they're, awesome. they're, they're 8 years old, and they're up training at 5 a.m. every day, yeah. and Joe's up with them. Well, there's so much emotional resilience that's garnered in training. That's why all the great masters start with the physical body. Everything, yeah. like, look at Czech's work, like Paul Czech. Everything mm. starts with the body, with the breath, and then everything is learned from there. These yeah. kids, by the way, Joe's kids, they're going to be so set up for life. I don't think there's totally. any fear in Joe's mind around them having, like, somewhat of a cookie-cutter, well, uh, yeah. you know, spoon-in-their-mouth existence. Yeah, he created something, so it's he, not possible. He created something, yeah. There's a structure. There's a framework yeah. there. And I think, like, you know, as parents, man, we can learn so much. I'm not a parent, but I watch my brother. My brother has become such a resilient motherfucker yeah. as having three kids now. And, like... Man, there is so many things to be learned there. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm waiting for that opportunity myself. Well, yeah, and your opportunity you were talking about. You're on, you're on this new little kick in your life of uh, exploring what it, what it looks like to have long-term relationships. Well, I've definitely explored. I wouldn't say that it's the first time I've explored long-term relationships. Well, you're relationships. in the middle of an exploration. <laughs> yeah, I think um, 
I think what I've learned is that uh, the more that I can just be myself, yeah. be authentic, uh, that's when the right woman comes along. I think in the past I was just chasing the physical, yeah. especially in my 20s. Like It was definitely that's chasing the, easy the physical. One. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to hook up with people that are around me in my environment. Um, yet something something recently shifted for me, actually, where I was um, I was going up for my third ascent to Mount Whitney, and I got altitude sickness. Oh, yeah, dude. I want to yeah. hear about this. I got a really yeah. bad altitude sickness. Yeah. And, um, have you guys ever had altitude sickness before? No. Mm-hmm. All right. So I was actually wondering if I was going to get it yesterday when we were running. You, because you might I, have. I've yeah. never had it. But I'll, I'll connect the dots to your relationship yeah. question through this Whitney story. I love like, this. So I'm going up, and we're sleeping. We did two nights, and I'm sleeping at the outpost camp. And it's all of a sudden, my heart's just pounding out of control. And mm. I'd never felt this before. And then I start to get like kind of sick, like I'm going to throw up. So I get out of the tent. It's like mm. 30 degrees. I'm walking around. And out of nowhere, I just start bawling, like tears streaming down my face. Yeah. Later on, I learned that one of the ways you know you have altitude sickness is if you have uncontrollable emotions. Oh, wow. So I'm just freaking out. My buddy had an oxygen canister. I breathed in the canister. Didn't help at all. Got to this point where uh, I had to make a decision like, uh, should I go down the mountain or not? I laid on my back in the tent and I saw like this jellyfish illusion, like a hallucination. And that's when I knew. I told my buddy Brent, like, we're going down. And as I was going down, like what was coming through me was, uh, I'm not going to die right now because I I haven't met my woman yet. I haven't like created my life. Mm. And it was like this insane gratitude for literally almost dying. And I don't know if you guys have had near-death experiences before, but it took me there and it like really brought out the gratitude. Did you leave your body? Uh, In a way, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, picture this. The moonlight, 12,000 feet coming down the mountain in the middle of the night barely able to step my yeah. buddy's coaxing me down the mountain and all i could think about was like yeah I, I haven't met my woman yet i haven't actually created my life yet yeah um so that was like bringing it full circle to the relationship man so what are you what are you working on to to get to that point like right uh, now with the relationship yeah yeah i think it's just claiming my space it's being a master of my domain it's not being afraid to express exactly how i feel at all times yeah. i think it's really easy to kind of hide emotions or hide what we really think uh, but that's my deepest edge in emotional intelligence is like saying exactly what I believe to be true, even if I'm scared to say it. I think that's what's attractive to most women is men that speak their mind. Not because they're like chauvinistic, domineering, yeah. trying to control, mm. but like actually being authentically connected to what they believe, even if it means it's against the status quo. Yeah. And like that's where I'm at. And I think that's what will attract a woman who I, I like outspoken women. I like strong women. And, and I think I'll find one like that. I, yeah. I think operating under the model of, of 100% honesty combined with 100% respect works incredibly well because mm. a lot of people like shitty people will take the 100% honesty piece and use it to be a dick yeah you don't want to be that person like but you do need to be true to yourself and say what you really think and what and what is kind of like the deepest truths of your heart so to speak yep. but at the same time you need to respect the person you're talking to understand that they're a real person they have real feelings and and like knocking them down doesn't isn't actually going to make you feel better in the in the long run so like the I forget what book that came from, oh, um, that that model came from. But after having that realization, I feel like if I can if I can follow that, then the rest of my life will be will be that much better. Even if in the short term, I have harder conversations. In the long run, uh, I'll feel better about basically every aspect of my life, both per- personally and business. Yeah, and I think right right now we're in a weird time with like Me Too and the shifting pendulum. Women and men are kind of like there's a lot you, of sparks flying. You take flying some right aggressive now. approaches on the internet with that stuff. I do. You know why? Fires it up. Well, Fires because up the I conversation. Think, I think that there's certain things that need to be discussed more often, 
Well, and a lot of people are afraid to even talk about like masculine, feminine, or like Me Too stuff yeah. right now because it's so hot. It's like most guys are like, ah, I don't want to go there. Do you? It's, I feel like that also is a weird one because there's certain people that are looking for certain things and reactions, and man, it. Like, I hang out with a lot of women, and not many of them are like, I feel like I'm about to get raped all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just doesn't happen. And then you turn on the news or you turn online, and, like, the same seven people are arguing about, like, it's dangerous. And I'm like, where? I'm looking around. It looks very safe. Yeah, but we operate I, and kind of live in a conscious space. Like, in certain parts of the middle America, it's not this conversation yeah, at all. No, for sure. So there, there is that contrast. Yeah, it, 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 Find a new bubble. My bubble is so safe. I like my bubble. My bubble is yeah. so yeah. That Encinitas bubble's really tough. <laughs> Mike Bledsoe won't leave there. So safe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just so I actually, I actually don't know much about Wellness Force Radio. What, what's kind of the the underlying premise behind the whole the whole concept? Yeah, man. Wellness Force. You know, my my discovery is I told you guys like I've been learning about me, so I'm discovering physical and emotional intelligence. And I've always believed, like, intelligence is the ability to gather and to apply. And so I, I really spend my time in the middle. Like, I'm not about just gathering info. I want to know, like, how you connect the dots of knowing and doing. And so that's what the show is all about. Um, and a lot of it honestly goes more to the emotional side because I feel like in order to actually want to train or do breathing or have some kind of a morning routine, there has to be an internal fire as to why the hell you want to do that in the first place. Yeah. And that internal fire comes from a really unique place in most men and women. So I love to interview like behavioral psychologists and people that are all about behavior change and mm -hmm. um, connecting the dots of like, actually, how do you change your habits? How do you do that? Yeah. yeah. Um, Who are some of your, your favorite interviews? And, you know what, guys? You I, I love Gretchen Rubin. I don't know if you've oh, heard really? of her work. Uh, I have. Um, I, I've, I've heard her on i've heard listened to her podcast a little bit and then I, i've li listened to her on probably tim ferris or rogan one or the other yes her, yeah. and, her and tom bilyeu were probably my favorite interviews because they have just this resilience but yet mm. they're not they're not rude they're yeah. just strong and this strong presence when it comes to like no um this is actually the way that i've learned through my research and my experience and the way that i articulate it the trust the power that they both had both gretchen and tom when they speak mm. there's a bit of trusting especially tom if you listen to tom speak he almost has a little bit of anger in his voice. Mm. You see him online. I think some of that is because he's trying to motivate people. But he's like that off the camera and off yeah. the mic as well. He's just a driven dude. Mm. Gets up at like 4.30 in the morning. Maybe he fasts three, four times a month, like full keto. He yeah. does a lot of suffering practices himself. Yeah. Um, but I, I think those are the two guests, man. I really enjoyed their presence because Gretchen still has this ability to be a woman. Mm. Yet she's so powerful and strong. Mm. And look how many people she's leading towards a better life. You know, mil I think millions of copies of her books have been What's sold. What's her book again? Uh, there's Happier, Happier Than Before. And then there's another one that I'm blanking on the name right now. Oh, uh, the, f the four, there's four ways that people understand their, their types, personality types. Yeah. Uh, her book is called The Four Tendencies. Gotcha. That's the one I've heard Yeah, The Four that. Tendencies. So Obliger uh, is what I am. Obliger does better with external frameworks for accountability. Mm. So, like, for me, like, how I maintain my focus on my life and, and my health is for Wellness Force, like all the people that I talk to, because uh, I do well with that. But then there's people that are upholders. Upholders are like the ones where they don't need any external framework. They're just driven from the middle. They can just they do whatever they do. Uh, and then there's rebels that say, fuck you. I don't do anything that anyone says. I only do it because I want to do it. Yeah. Um, and then I'm blanking on the fourth one. But there's these four they, types of people. Is it kind of like the love languages where you may be a physical touch person, but you also need like the... You're a little bit of each, as in like the the whole pie, but 
yeah. maybe like 60% one. Um, yeah, I think there's. I think we all overlap. Like, you're yeah. not going to put me in a box, although Don't we always want to. Don't put me in a to. bubble. Isn't it interesting? Whenever we meet people, we always want to know, like, oh, what do you do and who are you? Yeah. So we can log it in our subconscious. That's why these but things are so cool. But that's not who the fuck we are, man. We're not yeah. just, like, somebody that you meet and, like, get put into a box. Yet. That's why the podcasting thing is so cool. Because you can you actually have a full conversation <laughs> with a human. Yeah, man. You get them past their thing that they're easy, comfortable talking about, <laughs> and then all it's like, oh, here we go. But I, you know, with Wellness Force, man, I really talk to women. Like 60% of the audience is women. Mm. And so when I'm asking questions, or like even in our conversation, I'm thinking, what would my grandma or my mom or if I had a sister, if they were standing right here, like would they vibe on what we're talking about? Do you think that the more emotionally in touch us male people are we lose the ego and the masculinity that may make us special <sighs> that's a powerful question well, i'm serious yeah i think that especially in this bubble that we live in yeah where everyone is in this personal development it's like we all had this ego for a long time and we listened to it for a really long time paul check calls it like the warrior phase and then all of a sudden it's like i was wrong now i have to become now i'm in touch no nope. and it's like no, you uh, you don't have to pay 100% attention to the alpha-driven ego, but don't lose your masculinity. Like, right. Still be I, a fucking savage. I actually think, and, and people are going to be like, fuck you, and I don't really care. Masculinity right now is under attack. It really is. Like, especially when you look at the major outlets of news media, if you look at the conversations and how they're shifted, even the phrase, guys, even the phrase toxic masculinity, like oh, what yeah. the hell does that even mean? to be a toxic mask. You can be a toxic There's feminine so too. many good words that they use for yeah, this stuff. But the answer to your question is no. I think the ego is actually our amigo. And, and I forgot where. I think it was in an NLP course. An <laughs> I've NLP never heard anyone fucking say that before. <laughs> the, the ego is my amigo. The ego is our amigo. We don't want to smash it. <laughs> if we didn't have any amigo or any yeah. ego, yeah. then we'd be like bland white toast with no butter. There'd be no, right. there'd be no spice to our soup. We wouldn't yeah. actually enjoy life. Now you know, we've like, got all the metaphors going. No, I'm just like, we, we have to have, but there, there do you, is. Do you have a Wellness Force shirt that says that my ego is my <laughs> amigo? Tight shirt. I fucking awesome. need one of those. No, I'll but, buy it. But Anders, like, yeah, we have to have some touch to it, but I, I think there's some practices that we can do to have mild ego stripping, psychedelics, uh, maybe physical thresholds being breached that can take us to being less in the ego driver's yeah. seat, so where the ego is not just driving us. I mean, look. Sometimes the ego can make people really successful, but like, you know, you can be kind of an asshole. And so what if you're successful? Yeah. Then what does that mean? There's better ways to do it than just steamrolling people with like the over masculine ego side of it. But man, that is the driver. Testosterone is super important to driving yeah. success. Yeah. Like you're not going to, uh, what did Rogan had somebody on or talked about somebody that had that like did not have testosterone. What and do you mean? It, they, he, he was like very either lacking in it or his body wasn't producing it or mm. something. And he said he would just wake up and there was no feelings. He had no drive to do anything. There was just whatever, just as bland of a life as you could possibly have. It's like that's an important hormone to getting you up out of bed in the morning and trying to go kick some ass. Sounds you got to like go hunt. Why did he have low? Why did he have no testosterone? I wish I knew the whole story. Okay, by the way, if you have no testosterone, it's like an you anecdotal die. thing where I know like twenty percent of the story. <laughs> okay, I just okay. remember hearing it and being like, "Oh, that's weird." Well, I'm curious, man. Like, what do you think about your question? Like, how do you view the ego? Um, so I, I feel like I, I I've gone through a bit of a wave, and it's about also the people that I'm around all the time, right? Like, I I do really well with strong female personalities, um, and. Being in business with Teresa, she's a very strong female personality, and I have no problem kind of playing like a second fiddle to that. Um, and I think that 
I think that strong, badass women are a force. Yeah. And you learn a whole lot about kind of like that feminine badassery that they carry with them. Like they're like these these like creatures that hold way more power than they know about. And if you can tap into that, it's really cool and like be around it. Um, and it really reshapes the way you think and feel and it's it's super cool. But I also found that I'm really into talking about behavioral health, but I also think that people need to wake up and fucking get after their life. Yeah. And yo, have an ego. It's okay to like walk out and be like, I'm trying really hard to be good at this. And that's that's an egotistical statement. Like I'm I'm telling you I want to be very good at something. It matters to me that I'm winning. Like that's that's not like a passive like, oh, we should all just get along and man, I'm really in touch with my like my emotional, my chakras are really firing today. <laughs> yes. Like I've spent the last 12 years in yoga and man, we can all just, and it's like, no, I, I, I want to be good and I want to, and in order to do that, like that's a, that's a very masculine thing to me. Like it, it's, yeah. it's driven out of a competitiveness that I have to want to be better. I remember talking to you about getting your name on, I think it was like John Cena's gym, like the door for like a certain yeah. weight. And that your ego, by the way, is what drove you to succeed in athletics. Yeah. So in a way, like it's a beautiful thing, but yet it's also what drove you towards injury. Yeah. And then when you have that, I think we all go through like an injury, a death in the family, like some kind of event that jolts the shit out of us. And then it's like, okay, let me actually put my ego in check. So yeah. the question, this is the, this is the deeper question, was the ego the actual thing that made you successful or was it a combination of your ego and your soul? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Things I, things I can't grab, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we both were like, uh, I don't know. The whatever. soul. You guys should have seen uh, Doug. He just I was, I was like, uh, answer, Anders, you answer that one. Um, yeah. I, well, I think that the reason something happens where we get injured or there's a death or something like that, all of a sudden you're instantly hit with a whole bunch of emotions and feelings all at once. And you have no idea what's happening with you, so you have to check in. you got to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. And that's like... That's part of the wave that I've probably been through in the last, like, three, four, five years, whatever it is, where it's, like, a whole bunch of injuries. I'm leaving this CrossFit world. I'm leaving my gym. I'm leaving best friends. Like, the number of breakups that are, like, very large happening in my life all at one time, and you're filled with anger and resentment and just all of, like, the things that go into that loss and... Um, you're not going to be able to steamroll those emotions. You have to go deal with them. And that is, I think, where a lot of the meditation comes in with a lot of people. And if you can find them in a place where they're, like, dealing with it. You actually asked me a question the other day on Instagram of how do you get people to meditate or something like that and yeah. work on breath work without them, like, wanting to do it. And you have to catch them in the right space. It's like everything. I can't shove strength and conditioning down someone's throat that doesn't want to get stronger. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's all of it is just about timing. Like, they have to want to be a student, and you have to want to, you hopefully find them as their teacher, and then you can get a hold of their brain space and teach them how to slow down and, like, learn about vulnerability and learn about emotions. Yeah. But you're not going to be able to show. There's nothing worse than walking up to something. Like, I would not have been able to have a business that was based around, like, mindfulness and movement in the rehab space if people weren't somewhat interested in realizing that banging weights all day long isn't the answer and there's another way to do it. And then they're like, I wonder what it is. Oh, Anders talks about that all the time. And now we can talk about breath work. Now we can talk about 
slowing down. You can talk about emotions, and we can also lift weights and combine it all together. I think that's why people love your show, because you talk about strength, manly things, athletic performance, and emotional intelligence. Like, this is all the drivers of what makes kind of, I guess, the masculine really a powerful force. Is like being in touch with all those things, and yeah. the women listening as well. How much do you guys focus on the emotional part on Barbell Shrugged? And actually, in this whole in this whole collective that you have, the Shrug Collective, like, is there a genuine focus for specific shows or even on Barbell about emotional intelligence? Certainly more than there used to be, but we don't we don't we haven't, to the best of my knowledge, done any show specifically on that. We did a little more with Barbell Business actually on on that topic when we were talking about sales and, and marketing and understanding the perspective of another person and being empathic to to their perspective. That way you can connect, you know, where they're at in their life to the things that you offer and make sure that it's actually a good fit for both parties. Uh, but not not quite as much on, on Barbell Shrugged. Uh, if I reinterpret your question from from a second ago, uh, the the ego versus soul thing. Um, kind of the way that I've been thinking about that since since you said it was, you know, everyone in every choice or decision you make in life, there are positive and negative drivers of those decisions. You know, there's there's kind of like the love based, positive. I'm doing this for positive reasons. I'm I'm doing it to be a better person because because I like who I am. And then there's like the if we say the ego is like the negative side of it, where you're doing it out of fear. You want just because you don't think you're good enough, and other people you want other people yeah. to like you. Yeah. They're, all those things are going to be simultaneously competing for your attention. Uh, the more emotionally stable and happy you are in your life, the more honest you are, the more respectful you are to other people, the more you, you're kind of true to yourself, like we talked about earlier, the more likely you are in that case to be doing things for positive reasons and not be doing them out of fear and frustration and, and anger. You're a pretty even kill guy. Like You seem to be operating from the middle in the most part. Like Not too yeah. sad, not too happy and screaming. Right. Have you always been like that? Like. Yeah, I was very fortunate. I had a very stable, happy upbringing. Uh, my, my parents never told me what to do, and I, like I said earlier, and that, that was, I think, just so incredibly good for me because when someone doesn't tell me what to do, the underlying assumption there to me is that they, they trust that I know what to do. Yeah. That means they, they think highly of me. They, they respect me, and they think I'm intelligent and, and all those things. And so um, in that case, I never wondered if, if my parents – you know, thought I was was going to be good enough to, to pull something off, to like to to go to college or to, to start a company or to compete, you know, at a high level in, in any athletics. Like, I just assumed that they thought I was good enough because they were like, "Oh, that sounds cool. Go do it." Like, we believe in you. And I, I always felt like they believed in me. Mm. And having that upbringing, you know, it has just made life so much easier because I, I don't have all these like negative belief systems about myself that that stem from early childhood that I can't shake in, in my my later years. My Damn, that's years. so I, true. I think yeah, a lot, I'm very lucky yeah. in that respect. I could t I, thank you for telling me that, man, because I can totally feel that from you now. Yeah, um, I think the emotional intelligence stuff that we talk about a lot on the show really is the story. Like we could tell you, like you go through business and you go through training and you go through life, and you could just talk about. The, the medals and the things you've conquered. Yeah. But there's no good story to it until you start at the beginning and it's like, we were here. We worked really hard. Here's what we learned about ourselves. Here's the pitfalls. And then here's how we overcame it and how we grew as people. The emotional intelligence piece is like the growing piece of the entire story. Yeah, and I think the more hardships that we experience from an emotional perspective, the more capacity we have as somewhat of a leader or an influencer to speak from that space. Yeah. Like I left fitness and wellness for three years and went to a technology space and mm -hmm. sold uh, tech registration software for active.com. 
for like races and marathons because yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want to train clients anymore and count reps. And like, I'm, I'm just tired of holding space for people in sessions, yeah. which I think a lot of trainers get to. But I got to this place where I was like, shit, man, I don't exactly know what I want to do next, but I know it's not this. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like David Dita calls it like the space between purposes. Sometimes your purpose is to be still and figure out your fucking purpose. And that's your purpose right now. Mm. Um, and then I took a break and um, I actually got fired from Active.com, which was a beautiful gift. It was actually yeah, events. Yeah. I got it was events.com. And then uh, and then I started Wellness Force, dude. That was what I, being fired was the greatest gift of my life. Always, because it actually brought me back to an industry that I've always loved, that I've always felt at home in. But I was scared of my actual power, and I didn't have that emotional intelligence yet. Dude. I wasn't willing to stand in my truth, dude. Dude, that, that's really what it was. I try to tell people that when I fire them, this is the greatest gift that anyone's ever given me, but they never <laughs> that, believe me. That is Yeah, because they're real. not in the right space. It's a fucking joke. That I'm is like, that you want to talk about <laughs> the, the emotional intelligence piece, that is one of the things that I'm like super geeked out on because in the last two years, I've had to, well, I've sold, I've sold one business, got bought out of another, and now I'm in this one. And as you like leave and say goodbye to all these things, it's so easy. Like I just think about like the number of things and people I've had to break up with in the last two and a half years of my life is more than I've ever had to encounter like ever in my life. But every time it happens, I fill that space with something that is like wildly more positive and what is like sets the trajectory so much higher in my career and my life and my friendships. Like everything is better. But getting fired yeah. hurts. It hurts. And you're pissed off. Oh. And you got to move past it and fill that space with something that actually creates a ton of value in your life. You know what, though? There was a small part of me that felt so relieved because I think on a deeper level, there was like an awareness that, shit, I, was, I wasn't enjoying this anyways. This, was, this isn't who I yeah. am. Mm -hmm. So it was like getting fired was a gift. Totally. Al although it's like yeah. as Spartan talks about, like, how am I changing my frame of reference? Uh, my frame of reference, I, I didn't even know what that was back then. Uh, but but for you guys, like, have you ever jumped off a cliff or been pushed off a cliff and you're like falling and you think, I don't exactly know if this parachute's going to open yeah. or or what, like either in business or in life. Like, sure. I don't know, Doug, you seem like you've always had your shit together. But has that ever happened to you, man? Well, I kind of have always had my shit together, but that's not actually always a good thing, I don't think. Because if, you, if you're used to always having it all together then you don't jump into spaces where you don't have it all together, like you're saying. Yeah. So that's actually one of the reasons that I tend to partner with people who are, who are very entrepreneurial, who are very proactive, who, who like to jump into the void, because I won't do it myself. And so I, I need those other people around me. I choose to have those other people around me because like, to start a new business or, or a new product line or, or whatever, like, uh, depending on what it is, like, there, there's a certain amount of uncertainty, uncertainty there. And I, I don't deal as well at that as some other people do, like Bloodsoe or even Anders here. And so I partner with those people because I know they're better at that particular thing than I am. I, I do better when, when there's an established way of doing things and we can, we can make it more efficient and we can scale it we can, and we can make it big. But when we're kind of floating in the middle, searching for a business model, so to speak, uh, I, I don't do as well there. I do great when I know exactly what I'm going to go to and, and I can see the exact logistics of the path. But if we're just like, oh, this is not do that anymore and then we'll go figure it out, uh, I don't do as well there. Uh, Bledsoe does great there. And so I... That's when I kind of turn it over to him. I say, this, this, is, this is your time to shine. Figure out what we're going to do next, and then, and then I'll grab a hold of it, and we can push it forward. Would you say that your like, deepest edge of emotional intelligence that you're leaning into is being uncertain and partnering with people that like, don't care? Um, I don't know if I'd phrase it all in that, in that particular way, but um, 
I think it's very important for, for everyone to know what they're good at and what they're not good at and to be honest with themselves about, about I'm not good at this. i got to find someone else that can help me with that piece yeah. because even if I get better, I'm never going to be great. Like we're all on a spectrum. We can all get better, but some people start in a different spot Thanks, on man. that spectrum than others. You know, it's, it's easy to, to frame that in the, in the physical realm. Some people, the first time they bench press ever, they bench press three wheels, 315. They just can. They started further down that spectrum than a lot of other people. Yeah. But, there, but there's people that started benching 150 that, with a lot of training, got to 450. So with training, you can get past those people that have more natural talent. But if that guy that started at 315 trains, he can bench 900. So it just kind of depends on where you're at on that spectrum. In the world of business, with these things that are more intangible, like how well do you deal with uncertainty, that's not as quantifiable as bench press. Yeah. Right? And so, well, it's hard to quantify any emotional practice, really. Right. And so with, with all these things that, that need to be going right all at the same time within the, the realm of business or, or any other category, uh, it's hard to know exactly where you fall. Um, and for me, um, being around someone like Bledsoe for, for 10 years as business partners, um, I understand him very, very well, and he understands me very, very well. We know what we're good at. We know what the other person's good at. And you know, if it's, if it's in my realm, I take it and run with it. And if it's in his realm, he takes it and runs with it. And then we don't have to worry about it. What do you think about these Myers-Briggs, these personality tests? Like, do you believe in those when you hire people? Have you done those for yourself? Oh, yeah, we've, we've done all those things. Um, none of them are infallible, of course, but, but they do give you a beat on where somebody's at. If you, if you take a Colby score uh, and you look at uh, you know, how you do work, versus like a, a Myers-Briggs personality type, you know, are you introverted, extroverted, et cetera, um, versus like the five, uh, kind of the five big personality traits, uh, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism, which is kind of what most uh, clinical psychologists, psychiatrists really feel is like the most, the most valid one because it wasn't just a made-up categorization and then you stick people in the categorizations. Like it was actual like real meta-analysis or whatever it is to like figure out you know, all the correlations between different whatever, 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 like the science behind it. I yeah. don't know all the science, but like that's the one that people tend to uh, gravitate towards as like the real, the real test you should be doing. Uh, but we've done all those things. And uh, again, they, they, they shouldn't determine who you are. Yeah. And if you, if you, you know, it turns out you, it says you're introverted, it doesn't mean, oh shit, now, uh, now that I identify as an introvert, I can't talk to other people. Yes. It, it, it should it shouldn't. such a floating scale on those things too. Well, yeah, they're all, they're all on a spectrum like we just said, yeah. but, but they, they do, they do help give give a good idea of kind of who you're dealing with in a very short period of time it's like it's like yeah. doing a fitness or mobility assessment on some before you train them yes. you just kind of at that point you kind of know what you're working with <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't change the things that you found you certainly can uh, but but it gives you a beat on what you're dealing with you know what would be really cool if somebody created like an emotional fms right like there was something for the physical where we can test mobility uh to have somebody go through an emotional test what yeah. do you guys think that might look like i'm just spitballing here what's like, the hardest thing you've ever done you're like mm, that's not the hardest thing in the world uh-huh you're, you're a four <laughs> okay <laughs> we need to create more struggle or, for you or what if it's how how people judge situations like um people's empathy like one of the things peterson talks about is agreeableness like men are typically less agreeable than women Right. Women are typically more agreeable, so this is why the, the data shows that women tend to make less money and not be in as high-powered positions. But I think that that's a floating scale as well, and I'm kind of like understanding now that yo, Marion, a in lot the house. of us. What up? Oh, what's up, Marion? Picture Snap time. Snap that photo. Picture time goes really well on podcasts. <laughs> oh, jump in! Oh, dude, we got oh, seed okay. hunter. Okay. Seed, <laughs> the seed huntress. Except for the seed <laughs> huntress <laughs> has shown up. Marion, the most artistic, hey, loving, amazing <laughs> producer. <laughs> Day here. <laughs> blessings, all blessings, people. everybody. Where are you gonna be? Oh, we, we've only been talking for like thirty minutes. Yo, girl, 
Yeah. All right, come back in like 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, fuck. We'll see he's, trying, he's trying to get rid of me. <laughs> Where are you going to be? Boom, boom, boom. You're the cool. Of course, She's pure energy. She's I everywhere. That's Sephra the Seed Huntress. You can find her at Sephra the Seed Huntress. Seedhuntress.com. Also the co-host of the Spartan Up podcast. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, yes. Hello. I That's have and Marion. She's super yeah. awesome, too. She's like, what about all me? Up. Come on, Dude, you want to talk about freaking characters <laughs> that we've all been... Do you leave all that in the shows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just leave yeah, it just leave it in. Nice. It's good, it's good. This is real life. This is right. why we come to these events, okay. so when people walk by, it's like, oh, cool people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go watch Spartan Up. Have you been on Spartan Up? Yeah. Okay, you've been on it. You've been on it. I actually have not been on it, but Joe's been on our show. Yeah. Yes. Uh, let's go back to that agreeable thing yeah. because I, I feel like that is a floating scale. Totally. Um, yeah. I've been with women that are like not as agreeable, mm -hmm. and I actually like that. I actually like it when a woman's a little bit less agreeable. Yeah. Not to the point where she's trying to domineer anything, but right. how do you guys view this agreeable and not agreeable thing? I think there's a lot to that, actually. We're good at this. We talk about this one all the time together. We do. Uh, I'm actually high agreeable myself. Uh, and, oh. there's the, and again, there's pros and cons to everything. You need to understand where high agreeable can be a very good thing and where high agreeable is tends not to be a very good thing. I think being high agreeable, to your point, like Jordan Peterson talks about that a lot, where people that are high agreeable tend to, that that's negatively correlated with success. Yep. People that are like, fuck no, this is what I want, I'm not doing what you want to do, no way. The people that say, oh, okay, whatever you want to do, they they just aren't as successful. They don't make as much money because they don't negotiate as hard or they don't, you know, they don't end up doing the projects that they want to do that they're as passionate about because there's a lot more of a fight that might, it might take to get to be the leader of a certain project in, in whatever, you know, whatever context. Uh, I don't know if I can necessarily change that specifically. I think it's all on a sliding scale and I can, I can get better at that. But, you know, I bring that back to what I talked about earlier. I know that I'm high agreeable and there's certain things in business where it's not good to be agreeable. Well, do I have someone on my team who's a better person to negotiate this particular thing than me who is, I can tell them exactly what we want and then they can go negotiate it. And I can't get drawn into, oh, okay, now I see your perspective. We'll do what you want to do. What was it about Anders specifically that you and Mike and, and the whole business wanted to bring him on the show for? What was it about him specifically? This is so. Um, this I, like, I like kicking it with Anders. Yeah. <laughs> At we like the most out. basic level. Like we yeah. can fucking have a great time together. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know how this relates to the to the personality types necessarily, but Andrew's actually fairly fairly high agreeable too. I, think, I feel like Mike is as well. Like I tend to get along with people who are, are pretty agreeable as well. Um, if someone's super disagreeable and I'm high agreeable, there's a lot of conflict there and I'm just yeah. like, fuck, I can't hang out with that guy. Like he just, everything I say is like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, oh, fuck, just like it, 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 it drags me down a little bit. They're probably less agreeable than I am, but, um, but if they were super disagreeable, then I wouldn't get along with them as well. Yeah. Mm. I... I probably fit in in the in the middle of them very well. I can uh, Doug and I do really well on the business side of this thing, and uh, I also like to get creative and be a little bit. I jumped into the void like you earlier. You were asking like uh, I don't remember what it was uh, t jumping off the cliff without yeah, knowing where, knowing where what's gonna, gonna who's gonna catch you. Yep. I've been doing that for a very long time, like my entire life. Um, that actually is like one of the situations in which I feel the most comfortable because you're creating chaos in which you're able to then create a nice path out of that chaos. Um, yeah, I mean, I left home so early that it was like I, there was, I went into a structured environment, but in my brain it was like, oh my gosh, I just left home. I have no friends. I don't know who to trust. And um, one of the coolest skills I think that came out of that and Every time since then that I have jumped off the cliff and not really known where I was going to land or be caught, hopefully, um, 
you when you do that enough and you get really comfortable with it, you read people really well and who's like a good person to be next to. Mm. Like who do you want to learn from? You get a really good like vibe off of people and you can feel if they're really interested in your success. Um, like when you walk into the Mind Pump house last night, like everybody is there to elevate everyone else. Yeah. And when you get into a room and everyone is like that, if there's one person that isn't playing at that level, it's so obvious. You can feel it. There's just like a, a random bad person in the corner. Yeah. And um, I think that the more you jump and the more you meet bad people or people that aren't aligned with you, you can kind of make a skill out of like being in the right rooms with the right people that everyone is trying to make everyone better. I think the reason I asked why were you on the show is because I think there's this ability for you that I've experienced, and I haven't known you too long, yeah. but it's this between agreeable and disagreeable. I think you do have your foot in both. Like, yeah. I don't see you as a dick, but I know you could be a dick if you wanted to be. I could definitely, <laughs> I could definitely do that. That's how I feel about you. Well, I think yeah. I... When I was CEO of my gym, I was more of a dick because it had to be my way. And now I work with two people that I think are genuinely like the best. They invented this whole effing thing. Like they, they laid the path for everyone that's talking on a mic right now yeah. and talking about fitness. It's actually really true. I didn't think yeah. about that. So I'm literally yeah. partners with the two people that I consider to be the best at what we do. Why would I walk into any conversation and think I know things? Like, I've got a really good idea, but look, let's let's hammer this thing out and let's figure out, like, I'll let you guys lead the conversation and I'll bring what I like to think is a, a really good opinion and a lot of experience to the conversation as well. But I don't need to come in and steamroll a conversation because I'm yeah. already working with the people that are the best at what they do and have yeah. this endless experience and um, very appreciative and lucky to be in that situation. I feel like we should do a group fucking, hug right you're now. You're fucking smashing it, by the way. Thanks, dude. Keep it up, dude. Hell yeah. yeah. What are you guys looking forward to, though? What, like, you're curious about more interviews, 500 more shows, 1,000 more shows. Like, I'll tell you. How does the hunger I'll, stay I'll tell there? You. I'll tell you. Yeah. A billion downloads. Think about that one. How many lives are you affecting if you have a billion downloads? At, least, ten years. at least hundreds of millions. Yeah, yeah. You got 10 years. 2028, billion downloads. I think about it a lot. I think about it all the time. Just but that, that's having, an extrinsic. What about an intrinsic? Well, I mean, the show is going to get better because in order to get there, our shows are going to get, like, significantly better. Yeah. Like, we have to be become a clearer, more concise message. But it's also a network now. Yeah. We're allowed to have – we're allowed to develop talent. It doesn't have to be – we don't have to be right. We can mm -hmm. let other people live their own little truths and authentic messages and cultivate their talent. I think the intrinsics would be that should be the deep motivator. The extrinsic stuff is is just a kind of a reality of life. Like you, yeah. you have bills to pay and things like that, and you just you have to do that. So you have to make a certain amount of money, to make sure that you're not homeless and, and all that. But but for this, I would do this no matter what. Yeah. Like regardless, like if we if we were making zero money, I'd still be like fuck. Like how can we podcast today? Just because I really enjoy it. Yeah. I like hanging out, having these long form conversations. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think. I don't think it'll happen in the same way if you're not on microphones. Like the fact that we can dig into a deep conversation where we're talking to each other but we're not talking to each other. We're talking to an audience while talking to each other. We'll explain things in a slightly different way. We'll 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 dig in deeper on topics and start from the ground up in a different way that this doesn't seem to happen in my in most regular conversations. Yeah, yeah. And like what are the chances that 
I've known you for two years. When was the last time we sat and just talked straight for an hour? I've got to know an, you more an, now an than any other time. Right. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person who I'm, I'm quite introverted at times, less so than I used to be when I was younger. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't tend to connect with people really, really quickly um, outside of kind of like what, what I was talking about earlier, like going for like a, a five-hour race. Like I have, I have that, all that time to connect with somebody doing something physical that I really, really enjoy. Uh, but in day-to-day -day life, it's rare that I'll just sit down and talk to somebody for an hour or two hours. Like it just doesn't happen. So uh, I like to have a condition like podcasting where I systematically will automatically speak with somebody. Yeah often a new person that, I've, that I'm really interested to talk to that I've never met before in some cases for like three hours and then walk away at the beginning of the day maybe not knowing them at all and like four hours later I think they're my buddy. Yeah. yeah. I, think I, this, I don't do that any other this way. This format, like I do a lot of writing and I hate reading things that aren't well written. And this format in a long form is like doing good writing in that you have to have very, you have to have a, a good vocabulary you have to have good sentence structures. There has to be like a clear message. And if it doesn't, it rambles. There's no actual cohesion meat yeah. to what's happening. The, the whole thing doesn't flow because you've got somebody that doesn't really have their thoughts dialed in and who they are. And then you've got two other people that are really dialed in. Well, that third person sounds like an idiot. So when everyone's on here together and you get really good at communicating and you're doing the self-work to get better at expressing yourself yep. now all of a sudden we've got good vocab we've got good sentence structure we've got a really intelligent conversation where if we were like at the house last night it's like kind of broy and <laughs> yes like everybody's hanging out and it's super fun but it's not this like hey i'm trying to find the truth of what's going on in this circle right now i've always felt that podcasting is a, is a giving offering mm -hmm. and i loved how you said yeah we're having this deep intimate conversation but we're also having it with everyone listening right. and that in itself is an act of service it's an act of giving mm -hmm. and i think that's the part that when i'm feeling like shit or when i you know earlier i, I used to do all my own edits my first year of podcasting it was like it was hard man do you like, think about people that are listening while you're doing it um no not not particular but, I, but i but i understand that we're that when i'm, I'm explaining something i'm not explaining it to you anders because you don't know i'm explaining it to an audience that may not know yes. like if i'm talking about if i'm talking about energy systems i know you already know but yeah. i'm saying it all again anyway and if we're in regular conversation and i was explaining it like i do on a show you'd be like why are you saying this to me you know that i know that like <laughs> yeah. why are you saying that and so it's, it's, it's just, it's subtly different. And because you're on a show, say, say we just met, I can ask you a fucking real question, a deep question that if, if, if we weren't on a show, it'd be you'd, awkward. you'd be like, that's kind of intrusive. Yeah. I don't really know you. Who are you? And why are you asking me this fucking crazy personal <laughs> that's question? That's why I'm asking you questions about your family. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so on the show, I, I want to have a real conversation. I don't want to have a small talk conversation with anybody for yeah. the most part. I want to have only real, meaningful, cool, fun conversations. Yeah. And so the show, that's all you're going to do on the show. This medium makes you hate small talk. I was just going <laughs> to say that. I was just going to say that. My, when I, so I live in a condo complex, and there's one driveway that services eight double, two-car garages. And the neighbors will come into the driveway to talk to each other. And I, I hate talk, small talk so much. I will drive through their conversations. And the normal nice person thing to do would to park your car and go say hello to the neighbors. I will close the garage door because I, I get so freaked out yeah. because I, I either don't want to it, – I don't want to have the small talk. And then I kind of don't want to go deep either because then we're going to have to, like, really get into it. So I just exclude myself from all conversation. 
Well, I, I actually feel the same way you do. I get viscerally upset when someone's talking about Kim Kardashian's puppy oh, sweater. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, or like something where I'm thinking to myself, and even like, guys, I don't know how big you are in sports. Even sports can fall into that category. I hate it. Where yep. people, all they want to do is talk about basketball and football. And it's just like, does that even impact your fucking life no. at all? <laughs> I was at a wedding two we weeks ago. We just talked ago. about it for an hour, you know. I was at a wedding two weeks ago, and... They were talking about the NFL and fantasy football, and I was like, all I could think was you're all wasting your Stop life. Stop it. <laughs> and then, two, they were like, they asked me something. I was like, I don't know five people in the NFL. Yes. And they were giving me, like, all the clues, and we got to six. Like, that is such a small number. Where there's people that, I mean, at one point in my time, I could probably name you entire baseball teams, like, yeah. when I cared a lot. But, man, when you sit down and realize how many people waste their life away on Sunday watching... Hey. Six to eight hours of football and drinking six beers. Meaning. Woo! Uh, both of you guys have always struck me as people that want meaning and that embody meaning. So I, I would love to ask you my signature question, even oh, though we're doing our shows this. together. Yeah. Um, wellness. Like, what's your definition of wellness? I'm, I would love to know, Doug. Like, how do you see wellness in your life, man? How would you define wellness? I could take that question in many, many different, different directions, but uh, I think if the, this, the combination of, of all the different aspects of your life, wellness within the physical emotional, psychological, if you feel like you have like inner peace, so to speak, like you have, you have clarity of thought, you're not distracted and like lost in thought, you're not constantly thinking about the past and have anxiety about the future, then, then that's like, that's true wellness. If you can be at peace with yourself and you're just, you're just kind of content day to day uh, and you're not, you're not constantly in a thought loop of, of frustration, anger, etc., then, then that's true wellness. You can be fit and healthy and lean and look great and fucking hate yourself at the same time. Or the opposite. You know, you can you can you can be like totally chill, so happy, and be physically unhealthy. I don't think it's a good idea to do, um, but I think that's your your inner state really is the most important thing. Because if you're like I said, if you're fit, but like you're just chronically unhappy, then why why does it matter that you're fit? You fucking feel like shit all the time. So ideally, you're you're maximizing all these categories. You are in shape. You're eating healthy food. You're gonna live a long time, and you have you have healthy relationships, etc. Um, and you have that that deep inner peace. Yeah. How do, how do you see it, man? Uh, dude, everything I think about now is, this is like, the I would say this is the newest definition that I've got and the, the floating understanding of what fitness and wellness is, but um, the three things of attention, intention, and manifestation. So the things that you're paying attention to, um, what are you doing in your free time? Where is your brain when you're when you're on your phone? Like, what are you what are you reading? What are you learning about? How do you feel about those things? Like, do they do they bring fulfillment to your life? Is it is it aligned with what you should be doing? Like, if you're if you're re watching, fan doing fantasy football and watching the Kardashians, it's probably not bringing a lot of fulfillment to what you're doing. So you don't feel great about your decisions and your actions. And then the manifestation is that you're gonna like how do you express it? That is the creation, the action side of creating your own life um so yeah anytime i'm in a place i'm like the things that i do i'm here i'm with you i'm always around people that are trying to be very very good at what they do so my attention is always focused around people that are trying to be very high achievers so i don't have a choice that's i'm either gonna be a very high achiever or i'm gonna get kicked out of the group which would totally suck <laughs> yes like you wouldn't want me around if i wasn't trying really hard to be great yeah and i feel awesome about that my intention on my own life is so just i i feel like i've been at this for 22 years in the gym and 
eight, nine years professionally doing this, and I am finally get to a point where I get to hang out with Doug and be a professional. That's incredible. Like, I just started. Mm -hmm. Who knows where this thing's going? Yeah. Um, like, I'm, I'm finally in a place where I'm actually capable of being around the people that I want to be working with at the highest level that have already been there, know how to get there, and have built this respect and trust. Like, if that isn't fulfilling to your life, that your entire life, the thing you've been doing more than anything else in your life, and at 35 years old, now I'm in a place where I get to go, like, oh, shit, we can turn the afterburners on right now and light this thing on fire. Like, let's go. Um, it's like all of the dreams have manifested into this moment, being at Spartan, being able to be around all the people, being on the road with him, like being a part of the Shrug Collective. Like, it all happened. I, why? Well, because I think about it all the time. I'm around the people that are, are capable of showing me the way, yeah. and I do it every single day of my life. And... That's wellness, dude. Be That's around the people. Feel good about it. Fulfillment in your life and, and taking action to continue making that path happen. That's a deep answer, man. We went deep. This has been so fun, guys. Uh, yeah. I, I see wellness differently now than I ever have because I know that physical and emotional are big. But the more I've explored the intelligence of physical and emotional, the more I actually learn about the spiritual. And so that's a whole different show. Yeah. <laughs> but I think spiritual health We're is have also to have a seed hunter. Yeah, like spiritual and faith is a big deal. But thanks, guys. The this sun. has been so dope, man. Dig it. Um, at Wellness Force. Where At Wellness Force. You? Yeah, wellnessforce.com. Um, wellness Force Radio, just pretty much Wellness Force. Trent underscore SD. Trent underscore SD, but also Wellness Force. Yeah. I have two IG accounts. That's a big one. Right on, man. Yep. Uh, you, you can find me on Instagram, Douglas E. Larson. also have my own site, DougLarsonFitness.com. Check that out. Uh, and we do Barbell Shrug every Wednesday, sometimes Saturdays, most Saturdays lately. Most Saturdays. Uh, now we Technique Quad every Sunday. If you want to learn how to lift weights, I have about 140-ish episodes on how to lift weights. We're crushing life. Thanks for having or having us on your show, and thanks for being on ours all at the same time. Thanks for the mutual. We finally did it. We, totally we finally did it. did it. It only took a year and a half. So guys. good. No, I really appreciate the work you do, and this was super special. So thanks for having me on. Very cool. You bet. Yeah. See you guys next Wednesday. Later. Hey, my friend. Thank you for hanging out and growing with me today. Everything you learned on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 200 world-class guests and counting, we've distilled the gems, the best of the best science-backed practices down into a 21-minute morning system guaranteed to increase the positive flow in your day. Get this free and powerful 21-minute life-changing system over at wellnessforce.com forward slash m 21 if you enjoyed this episode, tap your phone, share it with someone you care about because that is how we all get better together. Supporting the show is easy. Leave us a five-star review right now from your phone. It helps us reach other smart and conscious people like you. Either tap your phone and hit the link in purple that says review this podcast or go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. And this show doesn't stop here. We're continuing the discovering process in our private Facebook group. You can be a part of it. All you have to do is go to wellnessforce.com forward slash group and I'll welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and live your life well. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness 